This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless of whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDP. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming 800-913-GOLD 800-913-GOLD Glenn Beck The Blaze Radio Network Hello America, Uh, we have guests in the studio today, I'm glad to have you here I'm glad to see you all Um, I want to have a conversation with you, it's usually Thursdays, it's ask me questions, I'd like to ask you guys some questions Um, and I I really, the thing I want to understand from people is how do you think this ends? How, how do we, in, in, your, in your happy place, how do you see this being fixed? And what I mean is, how do we fix, how do you see this being fixed with the corruption, with the vitriol for each other, with the Black Lives Matter, with the banking, with all of this stuff? What's going to fix this? Anybody have a, a hope? Yes, it'll go Eric and then behind you. One of your most uh, interesting and articulate recent guests is Mark Meckler, mm-hmm. who talked about the Convention of States. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't know much about that uh, event, but we're all in. And Good. You are. I am. And uh, we think that could be a great solution for some of the problems of our country. How many people know about the Convention of States? Okay, good. For those who don't know about the Convention of States, I think you're exactly right. It is Article 5 in the Constitution. It's never been tried before, but it is what the, the founders, they got together. And I think it was uh, uh, Madison, wasn't it, that said, wait a minute, right before it was all over, wait. We have all of these valves for the Congress to correct itself, but what happens if Congress goes bad and, they, and the people can't? What, where's, the, where's the ejector seat besides war? And so Article 5 is a very limited, it's not a constitutional convention, it's a convention of states. And they have to come together and they have to state what they're going to do in advance. Then those legislatures all have to vote on that topic. You have to have 30, 34 of them. Um, and if 34 of them come together, then they can have this little, it's almost like a constitutional convention where they say we're fixing these problems. So in other words, term limits, a balanced budget amendment, that way they fix it. Then after they come up with their, their fix, then it goes back to each state. Each state has to vote for it. Uh, I think all but 13 um, have to vote for it, then it's law. Then it's law. And then Congress has no choice. They have to do that, or they're outside of the law. And it's starting to pick up steam, and Texas is next, um, and they say they're going to push it through, but it's going to... Re- Who's from Texas? Yeah, we, we have to go for the GOP um, and let them know this, there's no there's no loss in this for anybody. 
So it is them not wanting to fix it if they don't do it. Uh, and, uh, and some of them, believe it or not, the GOP in Texas are saying, I don't think it's that bad yet. The GOP is saying that. Uh, so we're going to have to really pressure, but it is starting to happen. It's picking up steam. It was fascinating to hear what they passed at the trial run. Yeah. Was it in Williamsburg? Yes. And one of them was a repeal of the federal income tax? Yeah. Yeah, they repealed the federal income tax, which kind of surprised that they got it through. Um, and a uh, repeal of uh, or a limiting of the Commerce Clause, which the Commerce Clause, you change that and it changes everything. Um, because this FDR knew this. The progressives were really smart. This goes back to a case, and I can't remember it. You know, it's, it's the federal government against a farmer. And this farmer um, uh, was growing wheat, and he was only making bread for himself and his family. And he had to put up with regulation. The federal government came in and said, you have to do it a certain way. And he said, no, I don't. You have no authority here. And they took him to court, went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they said, because your grain, I think it was almost, almost down to can cross-pollinate another state, it's now intrastate. Because somebody could take that bread and take it across state lines, it's now intrastate. And that's why we have the EPA, that's why we have the federal government in all of our homes and everything else. Just repealing that and the bureaucracy of the progressives completely falls apart. So I'm with you on that. That gives me a, a great deal of hope, a great deal of hope. Behind, yes, sir, what was your idea? Well, uh, I had two or three until I listened to your show this morning. <laughs> until you did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I'm good I can, at ripping hope away from people. I can, <laughs> well... I just didn't like what I heard, that's all. Okay, what did you tr- hear? It was the truth Okay. about Obama. Uh, anyway. With war? You yeah. Mean? Yeah. How many people know that George Soros is now pushing for war? I didn't connect the George Soros thing until this morning. Is now pushing for war in Syria. And um, Mike Lee posted something up on Facebook last night, which I thought was curious. And I had heard these rumors for the last couple of days And I thought, oh, no, please tell me that Mike Lee's not hearing this, too. Um, And what he posted was, only Congress can authorize war. And we have to look at the War Powers Act. So I called Mike and I said, this doesn't have to do with Russia and Obama, does it? He said, oh, you've heard. And the rumors are, and hopefully they're just rumors, but the rumors on Capitol Hill is that uh, Barack Obama is going to make the case that I saw George Soros make in the paper today um, of this is a humanitarian crisis and we must put boots on the ground in Syria. That's pretty much the end of the proxy war with Russia because that's what we're doing right now is we're fighting Russia. We're not fighting this ISIS. But your idea was? Yeah. Well, I... Um I'd heard some chatter over the last couple of years that Obama definitely has a plan on how to continue being president. So what I heard your stories today is that um, he can declare war and martial law 
and he stays. I really don't find that plausible at all. No. I really don't. Um, because, quite honestly, look at Bill Clinton. He is far more powerful. Hillary Clinton, far more powerful outside of the, the framework of the presidency. Um, you can affect because you are no, you're not the one in the hot seat anymore. I don't think he likes that hot seat. I don't think Michelle likes that hot seat. And I think they're ready to be billionaires. And they will take care of themselves and they will affect change much easier outside. Then, then let's go for term limits. Yeah. Well, we have it with we, 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 we have it with the president. Congress just didn't think that they could ever go bad. <laughs> who, else, who else sees this? How, does this? how does this end in a positive way? What are you hoping for? Does anybody have? This is scary if we don't have hopes. Kathy, what are you, what are you hoping? And as you see, uh, like this could happen, and it would be good, and it would fix it. Well, I'm not going to fix everything here, yeah. but this is what my husband and I have talked about. And we think that one of the great things that can happen from this is that we go back into our communities and we start helping each other lift where we stand. And we are trying to do that now with the people that we come in contact with and not be afraid. Even though it's a scary world out there, we're, and we pray really hard every day for this, that we're not afraid and that we can go forward. What's going to cause people to do that? I don't know. I would hope that their hearts would be softened so that I know. I, what, know. I, mean, I mean, let's just play it out. And I'm, I'm trying to find an answer. Right. I understand. But let's play this out. How many people think our hearts are moving in the softening direction? Right. Um, we're moving exactly the opposite direction. So so then let's start earlier than that. How do we get people's hearts to be softened? Well, it starts in the families and we have to start teaching our children at a very young age, and to have whole families if possible. One of the great things was your cereal on the black family and how it has been totally destroyed. Yeah. I mean, there... Destroyed. There is 1950, the black family was stronger than the white family. They were the strongest family unit in the country. And look at it now. And that's exactly where it started, and everything yeah. has gone downhill right. from there. And right. if we can work at getting families to be strong again... And to teach their children good principles, which the founders used, mm -hmm. if we can get back to basics. But we've come so far, and it's... it's So fast. Yes, and it's so difficult to think, at how, think about how can we come back to that. And one thing we know is it has to start with us and with our families. Lavana, you just are oozing concern. I can feel it from here. <laughs> I'm looking over here, and I just like I'm feeling like there's a disturbance in the force. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what bothers me is what concerns me is trying to convince people to get involved, to call Congress, to call your senators, to follow the bills, to pay attention to what they're doing, and I really don't have any hope in the White House this time around, and I think... What do you mean, during Obama or the next time? The next time. No matter who wins? No matter who okay. wins. Why? Is it the because personalities, or is what is it? It's, it's their policy. Okay. I believe it is their policies okay. are not good for America. Okay. And I feel like if we're going to 
change America, we need to get Congress to represent us, and they have not been. And I just what would change that? Americans getting involved, and it's been what would change them getting involved? What causes people to change? Cynthia. Thank you. Um, Glenn, can I first just thank you so much for validating what I have been feeling for so many years? You're the one? (laughs) Thank you. Because um, I'll tell you, sometimes it feels so lonely and so isolated before your show. And I'm like, there's a man out there that frequently thinks like I do. And then all the education and information you've brought us, and then to find out there's a whole audience out here. I mean, that for me has... It's done the same for me. To know that you guys are there, I feel exactly the same. We are absolutely no different. I feel I come home alone, you know, and I did it last night and um, had a rough afternoon yesterday. And I went home and I said to my wife, we are completely alone. And she, I was laying in bed and she, she had just walked in the door and she got up on the bed and she laid next to me and she said, no, we're not. We're in very good company. We're not alone. There are millions of people that feel this way. They just aren't seen and heard because it's not popular right now to see and hear them. And that's okay. That's okay. So it's a two-way street. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Then specifically, what I have done is I see this so deep into when we turned from moral absolutes to situation ethics and moral relativism. And once we said that, like my pivot point was when we as a country voted the second time around for Bill Clinton after knowing the whole Monica Lewinsky situation. And I talked to people, and they point blank just said, um, it's the economy. The economy's good. Why wouldn't we re- vote for him again? That, to me, was stunning. That was a big um, mental pivot point for mm-hmm. me. And I have started an in-home Bible study group. with. I just sent an email out three years ago now to every woman that I knew in my neighborhood And I am stunned how much we have bonded, um, how much uh, that has done for each one of Mm -hmm. us in our group. And I think it's going to be that grassroots. Oh, oh, it will. Oh, it will. Okay, let me take a quick break, then I'm going to come back to Travis. Let me take a quick break. Back in a minute. Travis. Thanks, Glenn. I want to piggyback off what Cynthia was talking about. It's interesting. I remember the, remember the day, the time, where I was at, um, where I was with my grandpa in a plumbing truck, and we were talking about Bill Clinton. And he's a conservative, Republican, and, he, you know, we, I got kind of caught up in, in this idea. I was a young kid, you know, learning the business, and started talking about, you know, Bill Clinton and how we voted for him again. And it's because we vote with our pocketbooks instead of voting with our principles. And it's interesting. I've studied behavior. We talk about 
behavioral change. Well, there are several stages, five or six stages that researchers have come up with of behavioral change. And Glenn, you probably are very familiar with this, talking about your you know, alcoholic uh, past mm-hmm. very publicly, and which I you know, very much applaud. But really, people need to have some sort of awakening. You keep talking about awakening. There needs to be some event before they go from thinking about it, a contemplative stage, to a taking action stage. And I think that's what Trump has been able to do. He's been able to get people awake to take action, but the wrong action. Hang on. I think that he has actually made us more of bargainers. You know, that stage of grief where you bargain? I think we have, I mean, the motive for asking you guys what the solution is, you guys all gave the right answer, at least according to me, and that is the people. The answer is not going to come from the top. And both of them are presenting themselves as the answer. I will fix it. Trump has even said, I alone can fix it. Nobody can fix this. My guy was Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz could not have fixed this. It's why I said to him when I did one of my first interviews, you realize that the next president will be facing some, if not all, of what Abraham Lincoln faced. He understood that. Because what's coming is catastrophic, no matter who is in charge, because we have to pay for the sins of the past. We have to pay for the $19 trillion of debt. We have to pay for sticking our nose into, into the Middle East where it didn't belong, you know, even 50 years ago. All of these things have built up, and we, we have to pay for that. And I think it's going to happen in this next term. And so now, what do you do? Principles. Exactly. And back to the principles, I think what we really need to do is protect religious liberty. I think that's it's really all we have left. Current. So how do we do that? Because I have several friends who have said, right, and that's why you vote for Donald Trump, because we know what Hillary Clinton is going to do. And that's a really compelling argument. Why is that wrong? How is that wrong? Anybody? Lavana, go ahead. I think we might be more divided if Trump is in office. Um, conservatives, Republicans, or people that believe in conservative policies are going to be more divided with Trump than we would be with Hillary. And that's just what I think. I think there's a possibility of that. Richard, go ahead. Pass the microphone up to Richard. I don't know if we can trust Trump. He is strikes you, me. And I just play the play the devil's advocate that I hear a million times a day. But you know you can't trust Hillary, right? Exactly. Right. right. So you just said to me, I don't know if we can trust Trump. Why not roll the dice? Because you know you can't trust Hillary. Trump, I believe, is more self-centered. He's more concerned about what he can gain. I don't know if he is really concerned about the people, being the president of the people of, the, of these United States. I think he's more for what can he gain, his, uh, what can he build as far as uh, status. Uh, I just don't see him as being the leader of the free world. 
in fact, uh, Putin supports Trump, possibly because he knows that he can manipulate Trump more so than, say, Hillary. Why do you say that? Well, Hillary has a background. Um, they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They hate each other. People are making the argument now we'll go to war with Russia because she hates him and he hates her. Maybe that's a good thing. But Trump, to go to war with Russia? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because of this hatred factor. Yeah. But, but as far as Trump goes, he, he might say, okay, Putin, uh, let's kind of do this together. He thinks it's a business deal. No way. Putin is so dictatorial. He, 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 he is powerful. He's also a chess player. Extremely. He, he, is, he is the master chess yeah. player. Yeah. Where Trump... Uh, he can play chess, but he doesn't know how to make the correct moves. Okay. But, but as far as your, could I yeah, mention something ahead. about hope? I think the, 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 those who are, and you have to, I believe, come from a Christian background. I think this is where the hope comes from. We, as the older generation, have to pass this down to the younger generation. Yes. And we have to serve as examples. And by doing this, we are going to instill hope within the younger generation. Even though our economy may suffer, the middle class may disappear, we, we may be trodden down, but that doesn't mean that we have to give up hope. I spent three days with a reporter um, from Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> Let's guess how that's going to go. Um, three days he followed me last week. And um, it kept coming back to that. Okay, all right. But you are depressing because you believe in something catastrophic coming. And I was never able to turn that around to... I lost everything in my life. I'm I'm an alcoholic. I lost my family. I lost everything. But by losing it, I gained everything that is important to me. And that's the point. My job is to warn you what I believe is coming. Whether it does or not, I don't know. Warn you what I believe is coming. And then say, here's how you can prepare for that. And we might. I think, you know, the people in China are praying that we lose it all. They're pray- the Christians there are praying that Americans lose everything. And the first time I talked to a guy who escaped and now is helping other Christians escape, he goes and gets them out of jail and gets them through the tunnels into, into Korea. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, how can you be praying for our demise? He said, now your demise. I'm praying and everybody in China is praying that America is greatly humbled and you lose everything so you'll find what's important again. Because without you guys, we got nothing. But you have checked out. And so the hope comes from us. The hope comes from the individuals. It just, you just wonder how low. You can't stop somebody who is on self-destructive behavior. You, can't, you couldn't save Anna Nicole Smith. She was a ticking time bomb. Her bottom was death. I hope our bottom isn't death, but it might be. It's not mine. It's not mine. And whether we save it as a nation or we save it as a remnant, we can save it. But we have to look at the hope 
on the other side. What does this give us the opportunity to do once we've freed ourselves from the problem? I'm going to go to Judy and then you. Yes, go ahead, Judy. I think uh, uh, looking at our future, looking out, uh, and even currently, what we lack is leadership as individuals in this country, and we, we, we forget that we, we, put, we hired our politicians, mm-hmm. they work for us, mm-hmm. but we don't act like it. We treat them like superstars, and we're, we're not used to leading our own lives. And uh, I actually do have an idea on, on how to help that okay. and, and help uh, get out, it? especially to millennials. Well, it's probably too much to talk about here, okay. but I call it the Citizen, Citizen CEO Project. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Give us an elevator teach, pitch. To teach us how to uh, look at ourselves as leaders, to teach even especially young people how how to be leaders, how to even understand budgets, how to to reach out to not only millennials, but certainly millennials. I, I think they'd t- be craving that kind of leadership. Yes, and I have to tell you, I believe they're already there they without are. any help. The millennial is already, I don't need all of these. They don't even understand that mindset because right. of the Internet. So they're already, I want to do it, I'll do it myself, and well, they can. It needs to be tied in with our founders, though. And that's very exciting information. Mm-hmm. People always think of our founders as little old men. They weren't. Yeah. They were young. And so that information needs to get out and then have a program, which I happen to have, <laughs> to <laughs> help surprise. people learn to... No price. <laughs> no, I said what a surprise. Learn, oh, <laughs> to uh, be leaders. Okay. And, and if we would do that, we would take control of our politicians. Okay. Doug. Well... I don't know if I have an answer for that, but this is where I think we're going, okay? Uh, We happen to live in the hill country, out on some acreage, out of town, 40 miles east of the most liberal city in the state of Texas, Austin. And we live in a small county called Llano, and we're friends with the president of Llano County, and we go to the Republican dinners and parties. Mm -hmm. And what I think is going to happen is we're going to have pockets there's going to be pockets like Llano County where we live that it might be 75% of the people believe in God. They believe in America. They want the right thing. They don't necessarily care for Trump. They, don't, they really don't necessarily mm-hmm. care for Hillary. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have those pockets, and we're going to have to have a choice of where we live in those pockets. And, and then someone or somehow... I think God will bring someone to the forefront to lead us out of the difficulties we got. I think he's tried a couple of times to send us people to help, but yes, we I keep know. rejecting it. But, yeah. um, but when, I, I guess what if, I'm saying, though, Glenn, is when you get down, if you were to ever come to a, a Lano County Republican oh, Party, okay, yeah. there's 200 people there. Yeah. They're farmers, ranchers. Right, I know. They're worried, you know, they're worried about the drought. They're worried whether you can have grass for their cows. They're still partners with okay. God. And, and they're there. Okay, and when you leave there, you go, wow, this is nothing like TV. It's this re- is the real world. It's real. It's the real It's deal. real. I know. And, and so you, you leave there with hope, and we, we bring in, or they bring in, our leadership uh, in, the, in the county, bring in people that are starting out as uh, state representatives, state senators. Sure. And we've had a lot of people come and, and speak to us. And there are some good ones out there. We've just got to get them into the right 
right spots. So uh, I know there's a lot of doom and gloom, but there's also some hope out there. Oh, my gosh. There's... I just think we have pockets that we may have to live in until the hope gets bigger. Okay. I want to further that conversation when we come back. You guys remember when we were talking about TARP as a nation? Let's start with the Patriot Act. Do you remember the conversation with the Patriot Act? Can anybody, can anybody summarize what the, what the conversation was like at that time about the Patriot Act? Anybody remember? Kind of went really fast. Went really fast. Go ahead, Cynthia. We kind of need to give up just a little bit of our freedoms so that right. we can gain a little bit of security or a lot of security. Right. And if you were against Thank it? You. Then you were not a patriot. <laughs> right. You were with the terrorists. You want, what, do you want the terrorists to win? You for the terrorists? You're not a patriot. Okay. How about TARP? I remember on Sunday night... Um, the week that TARP was announced, I have a good friend who was a CFO at one of the big banks. It was one of the banks that did not have an insolvency problem. And um, they were all called, all the CFOs and the CEOs of the banks were called by Hank Paulson to the basement of the Federal Reserve Building in Lower Manhattan in Wall, on Wall Street. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. It went till like 9.30 or 10. And... Hank Paulson stood in front of all of the bankers and said, here's what's happening tomorrow. Uh, the markets are going to open and they are going to tank. And last week, here's what happened. Somebody was doing a digital run on the bank. And, uh, and now we have, uh, now we have uh, Bear Stearns and Merrill Lynch gone. And, or is it Merrill Lynch? It was, uh, yeah. And AIG is Lehman Brothers, that's right, Lehman Brothers. And AIG is going down because of all the CDOs. And we have to do something, or by Friday, this is the word, by Friday, the Western economy and the banking system, the backbone of the world, will be done. My friend believed it. I believe it. I believe that we were in such disarray and there were so many vultures out there that would have gotten rich off of, of helping it tube. And there were other countries that wanted us to tube. Uh, and it was a great opportunity. My fear was his fear. And that is, he said, he called me that night, about 9.30 at night. And he said, you're going on the air tomorrow. And while you're on the air, some news is going to break. That... The Treasury and the Fed are going to suggest that we have a bank bailout. And he said, Glenn, I know how you feel. And he said, and I know that you have been talking about this coming. So let me tell you what I experienced, and you can't talk about it on the air. For years, I couldn't talk about what happened there. Um, his bank didn't need a bailout. And he looked at his, his CEO and said, we don't need to be here. We're fine. We don't need the bailout. They raised their hand and said, Hank, we don't need to be here. We don't need it. And Hank looked at him and said, sit down. Everyone in this room is taking it. Everyone in this room is taking it. And if you decide to walk out of this room without taking it, you will regret it because your bank will need it by the time we're done. Okay? Total threat. Everyone in that room took that bailout. 
He said to me, I walked home. He said, Glenn, I've never experienced anything like this before. Um, he said, I walked home. And he lived up at Central Park. And he was down at Wall Street. And it was a rainy night. And he said, I walked up Broadway. Broadway goes down. And he was walking up. And he said, the reason why? He said, I needed to see people. And he said, I looked in the eyes of everyone who was driving their car. And he said, I cried almost all the way home. He said, nobody's going to have any idea what's about to hit them in the next five days. He said, our way of life could be over by Friday. And everybody has been told everything is fine. No one is prepared. Glenn, please, please pray on it and consider backing it because it gives us time. For those first two days, Monday and Tuesday, I backed it. On Wednesday, I started listening to what they were all saying, the banks and the politicians, and they were saying, this will fix it. No, it it would not fix it. It hadn't fixed it. And the president said, "I I have to violate the principles of the free market system to save the free market system. And that didn't make any sense to me. The same thing with the Patriot Act. We have to violate and give up some of our rights to protect our rights. What? It's like Joe Biden. You have to spend money to get out of debt. No, not in the real world. I want people to consider that this election and the GOP is TARP. I want people who are religious to consider that religiously speaking, you are looking for a bailout. Yes, I know what Hillary Clinton will do, but maybe he won't. So I will violate my principles to save my principles. I will go against the teachings of my religion, my faith, my God, and stand with someone that the Lord would say, flee from. I will endorse and embrace to save my religion. The reason why I want to have you consider it is because perhaps no one understood when I said this about TARP, And I don't think they'll understand it now. Because when I said I'm against TARP, those who believed as I did believe, I was the one ringing the bell about the economic collapse long before the other people were that woke up on a Monday morning and said, it's going to collapse. I said, no kidding, dummy. You've been on my back about it for four years. No kidding. They turned that around. You're not for TARP. You want people to suffer? No. No. I actually wish people would have been prepared, but it gives us more time. There are people that are looking at this election saying it will give us more time. How much more time do we need? How long do you delay the pain and keep pushing the problem? TARP hurts us because, yes, we would have had a depression, But if we would have done the right things, we would have been out of that and we wouldn't be dealing with any of these problems now. 
but instead we made it $8 trillion to $19 trillion and our, our uh, collateralized debt obligations are now not $80 trillion, but $300 trillion or whatever the number is now. So now when it collapses, now it's of biblical proportions. I, I would just ask that people would calmly and rationally take a step back and say, okay, I don't know if we're going to wake any more people up without severe pain that they are going to have to feel, and they're big boys and big girls, and they had the warnings. There's no one that can say they didn't hear it. Experience the pain. Don't push it off another four years. Don't push it off in hopes and, and, and dreams in little bunny rabbits and fairy tales. Rip the Band-Aid off. Feel the pain before we're more divided than we already are. We, have, we are not the people on, on the conservative side that we even were four years ago. Who will we be four years from now? If Trump wins... Are we more divided in four years or less divided? I don't know. I think more divided. If, if Trump loses in four years, are we more divided or less divided? I can guarantee you more divided because people are already saying no forgiveness. No, we're in this together. We have to fix that and have trust in God and people back in a minute. Um, I want to talk to you about something that I I talked about on radio today. And if we're going to stay together, we have to stop talking about a binary choice. Binary choices, a one or a zero, right or wrong, good or bad, not good. Not good. Not in this kind of situation. Is there a difference between right and wrong? Yes, there is. But what we're doing is because we are swinging into a we generation. I'm going to be talking to the um, guy who's done a lot of research on how generations think and how it swings in an 80-year cycle from a me generation to a we generation. The apex of this we generation is, is 2023. A we generation is the only times that you build concentration camps. You never buy them in the me. You always build them or buy them in the me generation. Um, or the we generation, when it's the collective good, and we all think about the collective and not the individual. And uh, an earmark of that generation or that time period as it goes in cycles throughout um, history is um, that you, um, you start to categorize people and you start saying good and bad, where, um, where in the me generation... It's how many people can you get? What kind of a diverse crowd can you draw? The we time of history is always not defined on how diverse your crowd is, but how diverse your enemies list is. You grow by making enemies and saying, we're against this, instead of saying, we're for this. Okay? And you'll notice that's all what we're doing now. Nobody's buying either one of these candidates. It's don't buy the other one. And if you're, if you are, and I've had liberal friends of mine say, Glenn, 
it's not good enough. You, you have to stand up for Hillary Clinton. Oh, I'm not for Hillary Clinton. I would never vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, that's not good enough. Then you're for Donald Trump. No, no, I'm not. I'm not for Donald Trump either. No individual you're either for or against, okay? And you can see it in everything we do. Everybody keeps saying that this election is a binary, binary choice. There's only two choices, this one or that one, and that one's evil. Doesn't matter which one. That one's evil, this one's not. Binary choices. Let's take Black Lives Matter because it's really easy. Black Lives Matter, good or bad? What is the tree of possibilities on that? Zero. Because if you say they're bad, you build a wall around them, you condemn them, you try your best to convince others, and you start saying, well, these people should know better, and they should pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Nothing happens. You've categorized evil, bad people that have to be shunned, and no conversation happens. And the other side does the same. And then they start demonizing the people who are categorizing. You're part of the bad guys. Reality, when you're actually recognizing humanity and you're trying to live together, would say, these are two choices. There's your binary choice, good or bad. Or there's a couple of others. Bad, but some people are not bad in that. Or they're really good people, but they've been co-opted by some bad leadership. Most of the people who are going there, or some of the people, half of the people, 20% of the people, 10 people, don't really believe the crap at the top. They're not paying attention. They're useful idiots. But there's something in them that is making them feel that way, that has made them gravitate towards this movement. So if you forget these binary choices, which we're told, that's only it, good or bad. Then we say, well... And I like this chart better. First, the only way you're really going to make a change is if you love people. And you say, you know what? I don't believe that about everybody. I believe there are bad people. But I don't believe that every single person in Black Lives Matter is bad. I don't believe it. And I love people, and so I'm going to reach out to them. I'm not, I know what my values are. I know what I believe. But I'm going to listen to them first. Some of them are going to be diehard communists or, or too stupid that you're just not going to be able to deal with, okay? But others are going to say, hey, there's this problem, and you guys don't see it. So I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. They're going to grow. And then we're either going to stand against incorrect principles based on facts, not boogeyman, based on facts. We'll stand together on some things but not even the majority of things, but will at least be able to talk to one another. Society is teaching us to build walls. Once we stop talking to one another, it's over. Because then you're just a category, a category, and you're no longer even human. You're just this group that is getting in the way. That's what we have to avoid. And that's where the hope comes from. Because I think Americans generally are good. If you believe that, there's great hope. Kathy's going to give us our prayer. Our dear kind Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this opportunity to be together and to learn from one another. And we pray for Thy Spirit to be with us as we go throughout this day and as we prepare for the changes that will be coming in our country. Help us to know what to do and how to help one another. 
we're so very grateful that we can live here in the great United States and that thou didst bless us with this great country and for this great time in which to live. And we're so very grateful for those who are fighting for peace and for righteousness, and we pray for thy help. We're also grateful for those who serve our nation and pray that thou wilt protect them and watch over them. And we pray for the leaders of our great nation that they will try to do what is right and be influenced by thee. We love thee and are again grateful for all that thou hast given us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thank you, Kathy. From Dallas, good night. Regardless of whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDP. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming 800-913-GOLD 800-913-GOLD